Hi, welcome to the Phoenix Athens podcast. Our mission at Phoenix Athens is to make disciples who experience, enjoy, and display God's love and glory. Our goal with this podcast is to provide a way for you to learn and grow with us as a church body. If you're more visual, you can watch these sermons on our YouTube channel linked below. We hope this episode encourages and edifies you. Thanks for tuning in. I'm also going to go ahead and make a uh, caveat to anybody who's watching this recording on Spotify and YouTube later. Uh, sorry, there was a lot more that preceded the moment that we're in right now. I hope to join us next week. <laughs> okay, all right. Second Chronicles chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. And when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions. And all of the Levitical singers, Asaph, Haman, and Jeduthun, their sons and kinsmen, arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments, in praise to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. God, I thank you that you are a creative God and you are not reduced to systematic methodology, Father. You are unique. You are creative, God, and you do things in many different ways. But if you want to do that again the same way, we are here for you. We are here for you. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, man, there's probably 10 different ways I could intro this morning. Um, I'm not sure I can put into words the week I've had leading up to this moment. The Lord and his sovereignty did not speak to me this past week. Nothing. Even in my t- and some of you might need to hear that. This is not what the sermon is about today. It is still a great lesson in process. But as I sought through, and let me be honest, I didn't handle that well to start with. <laughs> but if I had to go through the days of not hearing the voice of the Lord to hear the two words that he spoke to me at 549 this morning, I would do it all over again. Even if he allowed me to go through that so that I made sure to know that what I heard from him this morning, for today, for this morning, were his words, I'd do it again. Because when I heard those two words this morning, I knew they were from the Lord. I knew they were from the Lord. I'm not sure you understand what it's like to go to bed on Saturday night having no idea. I mean no idea. Not a topic, not a sense, not a verse. No idea what the Lord wanted you to preach the next morning. For him to say, just go to sleep. And then he woke me up before any alarm. 
and then continual praise and worship unto him, I heard two words. Consecrate yourselves. And that should get us excited. I'll tell you why in a minute. You know, one thing I love about you people, if I, I feel like the majority of people, if I were to tell, hey, I just, I just, I don't have, I don't, I don't know what, what the Lord wants you to talk about. I don't know what he wants you to talk about. It's not for a lack of trying. It's not for a lack of listening. It's not because there's just this overwhelming sin that's in the way of me hearing from the Lord. I went through the list over and over and over as much as I could. Lord, what is, is there something causing this blockage? Anything I would repent of, I would, I would just, Lord, what is it? I would seek after him having nothing to do with message. I just want to hear, Lord, I've never wanted to be rebuked by the Lord so much in my life just to hear his voice. Another sermon for another day. But then he woke me up this morning. He said, consecrate yourselves. Oh, yeah, I was telling you guys why I love you. Uh, I feel like most people, if I were to tell that to, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to preach. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Most people would be like, oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> like, that's really bad. But I remember right now, uh, Faith and Gabby are actually, uh, Gabby Adams are living in, our basement right now, and I happened to go down last night to have to get something, and they just asked me how I was doing and, and all these different things, and, and I told them, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, have, I still have no idea what I'm supposed to preach on. They got excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you people know better than to trust in what man can do. You people get excited because in that instance, and let me just be the first to call out that it's easier for y'all who are on that side of the equation. <laughs> you guys get excited because you're like, oh, the Lord's going to have something for us today. And this is why we should be excited that the two words that he bust open the floodgates at 549 this morning in my heart's over, when the Lord's voice returned to me this morning, it was a floodgate, a floodgate. This is why consecrate yourself should be exciting to us. Because when we look in scripture of when the concept of consecration was used, we see in Exodus 19 that, uh, that God told Moses to have the people consecrate themselves at the base of the mountain because he was going to come and meet them in power and in a mighty way. And they would receive the law and the commandments in that instance. In Exodus 40, we see it again where God gives Moses commandments to consecrate the tabernacle that he was building. In fact, in uh, Exodus 40 verse 9, uh, we see that he says, Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and consecrate it and all of its furniture so that it may become holy. And then... At the blessing and inauguration of the tabernacle in Exodus 40, verses 34 through 35, this happens again. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God, you're creative, and you do things in different ways. You did that twice. We'll take it again. Joshua 3, before crossing the Jordan River and into the promised land, God told them, he told Joshua, consecrate yourselves. Have the people consecrate themselves. 
because I'm going to do something. Second Chronicles 5 is what we read this morning at the dedication of the temple. I love that it says in verse 11, and when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions. Do you guys know if you belong to Jesus, if Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life, you have become part of a kingdom of priests? Scripture says you are a royal and holy priesthood. It doesn't matter what your role is. Whether you held a door or you're speaking on the stage, they all consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions. Acts chapter 2, at Pentecost, I would say the version of consecration that the people in the upper room were consecrating themselves with was obedience to Jesus' word. And he said, wait. So they waited where he told them to wait. They waited for what he told them to wait for. And in prayer, God met them in power with the filling of the Holy Spirit. Consecrate yourselves should be an exciting term for us. So I ask you, if you're new to Phoenix, welcome. Uh, We do things differently around here. One of the things that we do differently is we like to, from time to time, engage in conversation from the stage. So I want to ask you, what do you guys think it means when you think of the word consecrate? And again, let me reiterate, if you have heard us talk about these things before, please do not check out. Please don't check out. Because I believe there's an invitation for today that the Lord is extending to us. So what do you guys think of when you hear the word consecrate? What does it mean to consecrate? Concentrate. Concentrate. Consecrate. <laughs> Robert? Uh, set aside what's holy. Set aside. Set aside what's holy and pursue it. Okay, good. What else you got? Natalie? Sanctify. Sanctify. Good. Tori? Intentionally dedicate. Good. Commit. Good. Surrender everything you have to the Lord. Good. Cleanse. Good. Anything else? Refining. Preparing for a new season. Focus. Repent. Yeah. Set yourself aside in holiness. Purify, I think was over here. These are great answers. Yeah, somebody else. Hey, all the way over here. Prepare yourself for the Lord or glory? The Lord and glory. I'll take that. What? To make something sacred. See stuff through God's eyes. Ooh, there's an object lesson in that. Great answers. When we, we got one more? Yeah? What? Fasting, that's a great part of consecration, absolutely. Man, he answered the next question already. <laughs> Sanctify, prepare, dedicate, and to set apart as sacred or holy. So 
What does it look like to consecrate yourself? That's another question I'm asking you. What does it look like to consecrate yourself? Die to yourself. Yeah. Have intentional time with the Lord. Make changes in your life. Yeah, usually. Uncomfortable obedience. Good. Yeah. Setting apart every part of your life. Setting apart every aspect of your life and asking the Lord, does this have anything to do with you? And if it does, hold on to it. It doesn't. Trash bin. Yeah. Heart checks, say that again. Heart checks and fruit progression. Again, yes. Worshiping, praying. Say that again. Listening for his word to cleanse us. Was something else? Spiritual disciplines, yeah. Attaching yourself to the Lord, good. Rejoicing, yeah. Yeah. Pruning that which doesn't do all above. All the above, yeah. Separation of a wheat and a tear in your life. Presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. Y'all could preach if you want to. That's a team effort. Man. Yeah. Taking captive every thought and obedience to Christ. Good. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Yeah. Are y'all making a list? Do y'all know me well enough to say that there will be a next step? <laughs> what, did, what did you say? And checking it twice. So y'all making a list and checking it twice. <laughs> Gonna find out who's consecrating themselves. <laughs> Jesus Christ is coming to town. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. When we look through scripture, we see several examples. I lost y'all. You're, you're gone. When we look through scripture, we see several examples, many of which directly and indirectly of what you guys have talked about are present. If we go back and look at the Exodus 19 passage uh, at the mountain where he told them, uh, one of the things that he mentioned was, wash your clothes, wash yourselves, wash your clothes. What do you guys think is the spiritual significance for us today to that idea? Like, is it, is it just like, go get the dirt off your jeans? Like, what, what do you guys think that, that means for us today? Like, how, how can the, the Exodus 19 command of wash yourselves in your clothes refer to us today in consecrating ourselves? Check your heart and purify it. Check your heart and purify it. Be washed by the word. Philippians 4, 8. I know 6 and 7. What does 8 say? Amen. Oh. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah. So she's making the parallel of just as clothes were the thing that we surrounded ourselves with, so we still do, uh, but they surrounded themselves with is purify, cleanse those, make those clean, right? Sometimes we need to be more intentional about who and what things we are surrounding ourselves with, and they need to undergo a spiritual cleansing. Yeah. Getting rid of things you're not supposed to have, simple and straightforward. Yeah, even to the extent of cleansing being compared with healing and and putting yourself in a position to allow the Lord to bring healing into your life, into your body, into uh, anything and everything that needs it. Yeah. Yeah, it it takes, she's piggybacking off of what was said, like it, it takes confession acknowledging, admitting those things. I'm not going to wash my clothes if I'm not willing to admit that they're dirty. Guess which clothes I'm never going to put in the washing machine because I don't enjoy washing clothes for the action of washing clothes. (laughs) I had another hand that was raised. Stay up. Yeah. Say that one more time. Who can wash your sins away? Jesus. Yeah. 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 Kind of Matthew 22, uh, uh, that whole like, say that again? Matthew 6, 22. Okay, I'm glad you said that because it didn't, 22 didn't sound right. Uh, What your eyes focus on, what you allow into your eyes, what you allow into your body as even kind of similar to the, what you surround yourself with, like what you're allowing in here. All right, one more. There was a hand raised. Yeah, Debbie. Yeah. James says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right? There is an intentionality in this of I will work intentionally to see the cleansing that we will get to and we know that only the Lord can do in my lives, in my life. Another thing that was mentioned uh, in the Exodus 19 account, we didn't walk through it, so don't feel bad about not saying it, um, was one of the ways that they consecrated themselves was, it's family worship day, um, (laughs) refraining from freedoms that you have rightfully in marriage. for sure refraining from those things when we're not married. But being intentional to seek purity when we're not married, and even when we are married, laying aside certain freedoms that we have for the sake of saying, yes, but in this moment, even as good and as rightful as that is, I lay it down for what's even greater. Mm, Maybe I should say it this way. I'm willing to lay down the image of intimacy for he who is the intimacy. Mm. 
Fasting, obedience to God. Here's, here's the point. There's a cost. There is simply no such thing as a free revival. If you spend any time with us here at the Phoenix Community of Athens, you know that we are beyond convinced that the Lord is doing and will do in greater measure something here in this city, in this region, in this area, unto the nations. Beyond convinced. Consecrate yourselves. Consecration is an act of desire. What's the point of doing something you don't want to do in order to achieve something you don't want to achieve? Consecration is an act of desire. If I don't actually want that thing, why would I do what I don't want? Why would I lay aside things that I feel like doing or would rather do or even have the freedom to do if I don't want something else? Consecration is an act of desire. We see the negative opposite version of this in that Exodus 19 story at the mountain when the people, the Israelites, even though this whole concept, I, I, I preached about this like three years ago, even though the concept of being a kingdom of priests, that was the Lord's original design for the Israelites. It wasn't supposed to be the fact that the Levites were the priests. It was supposed to be all of them. All of them. And that's why we now, through a greater covenant, through a greater sacrifice in Jesus, step into the fulfillment of that. We all have become the kingdom of priests because Jesus was the greater sacrifice. But he offered it to the Israelites. And at the base of the mountain, the Israelites looked back at Moses and said, no, you go talk with God. You go meet with God. We're too afraid. Lest we be consumed, lest he destroy us. You go do it. You see, they took what was very real assessment of themselves and their sin, but unfortunately allowed it to speak louder than the truth of the Lord's invitation. And some of y'all need to hear that. Some of you are allowing the sins that are holding you back and the reality of those things that are in your life or have been in your life, even though they were dealt with at the cross, you've allowed it to say, my sins somehow, you may not be directly saying this, but the way you're not allowing the Lord to work through you is speaking that those sins are greater than his cross. Right. And some of y'all need to hear that. And some of y'all may have come into this place where you're saying, I could never receive the cross. I've preached this ad nauseum over and over and over. I'm not going to argue with you because you're right. You don't deserve the cross. Neither did I. Neither did Kyle. Neither did Clint. We're not worthy of the cross. But that's why it's called grace and mercy. We didn't do anything to deserve it. He said, I want you. This isn't in my notes. And notes is in huge parentheses this morning as of 549 in the morning. (laughs) 
the Israelites' lack of desire was revealed not only in the fact that they didn't want to meet with Moses, but it was exemplified in the fact that they would spend 40 years wondering and dying in the desert. A lack of desire for God will result in God being replaced by something else. Something else. If you remember when Moses came back down with the first set of Ten Commandments, so there's a trivia night quiz for you. There's actually two sets of Ten Commandments because when Moses came down the first time with the Ten Commandments, he saw that he had been gone for 40 days and the Israelites lost their minds. And they chose to not believe in God's word and God's promise and they made for themselves a new God. And we're worshiping that God. And Moses was so mad, he chucked the Ten Commandments, the first set, and broke them. Then he had to go back up the mountain to get another set. A lack of desire for God will lead us to replace God. And it may seem like, well, I'm not overtly doing that. Okay, but where is your time? And where are your resources, and where are your efforts, and where are your thoughts, and where are your eyes? If we were to go through the catalog and the history of where they're being spent and used. In your drive and desire, is there anything in the driving seat of desire in your heart other than God? I remember the day I was just simply you know, doing a game. And then I enjoyed the game, so I kept doing the game, kept doing the game. And then I realized that when I started to try to pray and I would close my eyes, all I could see was the game. I chucked the game. It's not worth it. Consecration is an act of desire. I want to be very honoring, uh, because some of you all know, like, the extent of my history or whatnot, and going back several years. But I'll just suffice to say, uh, I was involved in a ministry one time where we got to encounter the Lord working in such powerful ways, such powerful ways. Man, it was, it was and, and some of you have heard this story, it was like a holy hurricane of every day, like we were coming together, like, who got saved today? Like, what is, has the Lord done? Like, we were just storytelling and testimony, like the first couple of hours of our day, just trying to catch up to the Lord every day. Right? And I remember that kind of quieted down, that kind of um, tapered down, if you will, after a while. And a few months later, the Lord spoke to me and he said, hey, what I did in that season, it was like I took you and put you on a shelf and said, hey, watch what I can do. And then he told me, I'll do it again. But this time, you got to want it. You got to want it so bad you ask me for it. And I remember sharing that sharing it with my leadership and fellow co-laborers at the time. And there wasn't much done regarding what I felt like the Lord had said. And I'm not playing any doubt, placing any doubt or, or placing any blame or anything like that. But there's a very real correlation of reality that what we experienced when we didn't want it and didn't act upon a desire for it, we didn't see it again. Certainly not in that degree. Consecration is an act of desire. Leonard Ravenhill, who was used mightily for a great awakening in this country. He can be quoted as having said, we will live without revival 
as long as we are content to remain without it. Consecration is an act of desire. Consecration is also an act of faith. There would be no need to prepare if you didn't think it was actually going to happen. Consecration without faith is religious ritual. Let me say that again. Consecration without faith is religious ritual. It's a good thing to cleanse. It's a good thing to hold, to fast, to pray, to say, those are, those are good things. But if I have no faith that the Lord is asking me to consecrate myself because he's going to do something, then I'm just engaging in religious ritual. Consecration is an act of faith. In Joshua, I mentioned before, they're standing, they had, they, they've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. God had told them, I, they had, he had delivered them from uh, captivity in Egypt, and he said, I have a promised land I'm going to give you. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is good. It is right, and it's for you. I've prepared it for you, for you to take hold of. And then the mantle passes from Moses leading the Israelites to Joshua. And the Lord tells Joshua, as they, as they uh, camped at uh, the side of, of the Jordan River to get ready to cross into the promised land, but the Jordan River was in between them and the promised land. And if you read in Joshua chapter 3, verse 15, it even describes the fact that during the harvest season, like it, it was overflowing. Well, this isn't just some little stream that if we get on horseback, we can trot over. Like it was overflowing. The banks were overflowing of this river. And I love what God does. Joshua 3, verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, because God had told him to, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You got to believe he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Verse, five, verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests to bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. There's a sermon in that, but we'll keep going. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. I love this. Can you imagine this? Like, hey. Come listen to what the Lord's going to say. It's probably a multitude, but like in my mind, I see him like whispering it. Like you got to lean in close. There's a sermon in that too. But, and Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the, that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan... 
The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Can I ruin the story? They walked into the promised land on dry land. He did so. But notice here, God didn't say, wait beside the waters until I stop them and separate them. What does he say? Walk into it. When the soles of their feet rest in the water. That's an act of intentionality, obedience, and faith. You see, we want to say, okay, God, plant the water, separate the waters. I'll walk through it. I promise I have the faith to walk through it. I'll, Lord, I see where you're going with this, but Lord, my faith, I have the faith that you won't close the waters. That's really what it is. Like, I have the faith that you won't close the waters on the side of me. But if you can just separate them first, then I'll walk through it. If you can just take care of everything and make it so obvious, then I'll trust that you'll provide. He says, step in the waters, then I will work and do as I promised. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says we're to walk by faith, not by sight. This is something the Lord laid on my heart this morning. Revival is a walk into the promised land. It's not a remaining on this side of the Jordan and waiting for things around us to start changing into the promised land. It will require us to take action, to be proactive in our faith and obedience. Listen, what we're believing for, right? It's, if I were to use this story in Joshua of walking across the Jordan, if revival, the thing that the Lord has, has said is coming, the work that we know in his heart he wants to do. It's not sitting around and waiting for him to start doing all the miraculous things. It's not, it's not waiting on this side of the geography, this side of the Jordan River, waiting for this to start looking more like the promised land. This is a go. In obedience, move, work, obey. Exercise your faith. Some of us may be sitting around saying, when I see signs of revival starting to happen, then maybe I'll join in. You may not be saying that, but I want you to examine your heart, whether your heart is thinking that. Faith is an act, or excuse me, consecration is an act of faith. Do you want it? And do you believe the Lord and his word? <laughs> you, ever, uh, you ever read a passage of scripture? <laughs> you Maybe you've read it before, or it was, it was like a passage that like, that in and of itself means nothing. <laughs> but the spirit who had the man who wrote it, opening your eyes in the moment you read it can commune and open your eyes to understand and see something. If you've never read it before, if you've read it a million times, 
And this morning, when I tell you, I wept. Oh, my gosh. Hey, I am so happy to have, like, some of the members of my intramural basketball team. I'm honored by you guys being here this morning. Yeah, some of you guys... Literally, I met like a few days ago. Jacoby, hey man, what's up, dude? First of all, I'm proud of you. You're bigger than I am, and you're willing to sit on the floor. Like, I appreciate that willingness, man. But like, I, I know we just met, but like, he's real, and what he's talking about is so real that I cry sometimes. They're all like, he's lying. He cries a lot. <laughs> That's my daughter. Okay. When I read through this passage, I almost skipped over something, and the, and the Spirit said, go back, that's for Athens. And at its face value, it meant nothing until the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and opened the, heart, the eyes of my heart to see it and feel it. It was so good. You have to understand, if we go to the Second Chronicles uh, passage, we read about how they consecrated themselves, and the, the Spirit of the Lord filled the temple so that they couldn't do anything. And then in his goodness, he allowed them to start doing some things. And they started worshiping. And they started uh, giving sacrifices and offerings. And then two chapters later, in chapter 7, there comes this verse that the Lord absolutely hammered me with this morning, saying this. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 7. It wouldn't have it. Okay. It's... <laughs> And Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. Let me stop right there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cliffhanger. In the temple, you have to understand, the most sacred place was called the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Lord was. That's where uh, his presence was so strong that only the high priest once a year would ever be able to go into. Right, And then you have... Uh, that room or that area is sectioned off within an area, a little larger area called the holy place. So there's the holiest place or the holy of holies, and then there's the holy place, right? And only the priests could go in there. Outside of the holy place, there's areas for offerings and sacrifices to be made. And then it kind of gets bigger and bigger, and there's like a courtyard, a big courtyard on the outside known as the the the, the courtyard of the Gentiles, right? It's just a, a larger area that wasn't as, not, as, not that it's like a holy game like, or whatever, but it wasn't as holy as like the holiest place, the holy of holies where his presence was. There were altars that Solomon had had built to sacrifice on. And this is what it said, verse seven. And Solomon consecrated the middle of the court, the courtyard, he consecrated the middle of the courtyard that was before the house of the Lord. Why? For there he offered the burnt offering and the fat of the peace offerings because the bronze altar that Solomon had made could not hold the burnt offering and the grain offering of the fat. And this is what the Lord said to me. Just as Solomon had to anoint and consecrate the courtyard because the offerings and the sacrifices were so great and so many, so will you have to consecrate the sidewalks and the pavements of Athens because of the offerings that people will make of their lives. Oh, man. 
I want you to walk from this place, believing what the Lord wants to do in you and through you to where it will be a necessity for what he's going to do, that everywhere you go, you're just going to have to walk as though you're consecrating the ground because the Lord's getting ready to work in that person's life, in that person's life, in that person's life. It's no longer this place that's holy ground. It's where are your feet going? That's holy ground. I'm not saying be weird and just go like oil like everywhere in town. (laughs) But consecration is an act of faith. I'm going to go ahead and prayerfully consecrate this ground right here. I'm praying over the grocery store right now. I'm praying over where I'm going to lunch today. Believing the Lord is going to do something there. Because it's not just in the houses of God that what he will do here will happen. We praise God for what happens in this place in the morning. But I saw almost as if, I I was thinking through different verses of scripture talked about, we have the aroma of Christ. And I just saw as if like across the city in churches, it was just this aroma bomb. That's a weird phrase to say, but it's like just this... And like the smoke went out from the churches, the building churches into the cities. And we all know that that makes sense because no longer is the temple where the Holy Spirit resides. No longer is it just in this one holy of holies place. You're the holy of holies. If you belong to Christ, he resides in you. His spirit, his presence resides in you. And when we leave this place, we will flood the city. We will flood this region as presence bearers if you belong to Christ. Get ready to consecrate the sidewalks and the streets and the diners and the parks and wherever you walk because there will not be enough room in the churches. These buildings will not hold what God's getting ready to do next. Oh, I want you to believe it. Where do we go from here? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 21 says this, the New Testament example of consecration. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. For some honorable use, for some dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Amen. Do I need to exposit that? Does, like, can we see the parallel there? You want to be a vessel that the Lord pours? <laughs> Use this example before. It's likely, if I say it, it's going to be the only thing the kids remember, but maybe it's a good object lesson. If I went into the yard because one of my neighbors walked their dog and didn't clean up after their dog, and then I used a cup to scoop what their dog left on my lawn out and throw it into the trash can, and then somebody in my household or you came over like, man, I'm really thirsty. I could go for a glass of water right now. Right? 
And I just poured that good, fresh, cold water into that cup and said, here you go. Would you drink it? Don't miss the point of consecration. What makes you think that he wants to pour the good oil of his spirit and presence in a cup that's okay with even a little bit of dirt and messiness? Consecration is good. It's an act of desire. It says, Lord, I want to be pure. I want to be used for honorable use. And I believe, I have faith that you actually want to use me for honorable things. So cleanse me. Fill me. Flush out everything that doesn't look like you. Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. This is the glorious thing. Because so, I, I really don't want anybody coming here hearing me say, consecrate yourselves, consecrate yourselves, and you walking away thinking, I should work harder to consecrate myself in and of myself in my own strength, because that's not how it works. Here's the beautiful truth. Titus 3, 3 through 7. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And for some of us, we need to receive that. So what do we do from here? Step number one, ask yourself, do I know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life? Have I ever surrendered to that reality? Have I ever given all of my dirt, all of my filth, all of my sin over to him and thanked him for dying on the cross for me? And do I actually desire that he would be the Lord of my life, that the rest of my life would be for him, for those good purposes? I want to carry glory, not filth. Step number two. Some of us, many of us probably, have already done that. So my question is, are you living in that? What's in the cup? May we consecrate ourselves. Listen, I understand almost none of you walked through the week that I had. Some of you the Lord used to feel what I was feeling, even when you didn't know who in the room it was. So it's kind of a, I get it, it's kind of a version of you trusting what I'm saying, I know that I know that I know that I heard the Lord clearly this morning. So clearly. Consecrate yourself. Listen, I, I texted Stephen because I'm no respecter of when he wakes up. 
or goes to sleep <laughs> as his wife nervously laughs. <laughs> I should have seen it coming, right? The last three weeks, for whatever reason, the Lord has had us weekly depending on him to give us what to say instead of laying out some, some uh, uh, sermon series three weeks ago, listening to the Lord. Two weeks ago, listening to the Lord. Last week, wholeheartedly going after the Lord. It should have been obvious to me. Consecrate yourselves. It's a natural fit. But I'm telling you, I had zero clues until 549 this morning. We've been calling out for the Lord. We've been listening for the Lord. We've been asking the Lord, work and move. If you're looking for a people to show your mighty right hand upon, here we are. We want to wholeheartedly seek after you. And it's as if the Lord says, okay, consecrate yourselves. Can I translate that? Get ready. Consecration is an act of desire. Consecration is an act of faith. Let's respond to it. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come up. Whoever's going to be in that. Rid yourself of any sin, unforgiveness, apathy, whatever, that doesn't look like Jesus and doesn't help you run into the promises. Listen, I, I, I know there's a lot going on around me, and I asked that to happen. Listen to what I'm about to say. I don't need you to focus on the ability for an entire city to be changed. I just need you to focus on you being able to be changed. I just need you to believe that revival can happen in you. Because when you believe that, and you see that, then it will be no surprise that revival will happen through you. Do you believe that? Do you, okay, response time. Do you believe that the Lord wants to work revival in you? Do you believe that the Lord wants to work revival through you? Then I'm asking you this morning, consecrate yourselves Prepare for the Lord to do a work that we will walk across the Jordan and into his promised land of a work that this city for sure has never seen before. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Phoenix Athens podcast. Be on the lookout for the next step challenges and bonus episodes. You can find additional ways to engage with our church on Facebook, Instagram, and our website linked below. 